Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I, I tend not to sort of contribute much to the chat at the beginning of the service because I find it difficult to, um, to hear and there's so many voices going on, but uh, it's, I do scroll through the pictures. So it's, it's lovely to see um, those of you who have pictures up. Um, and if you don't, then I've, I've seen your name. So welcome to everybody who's joining in with us this morning for our service. As you can see that if, if you would like prayer after the service, then the number to call is Mark's number, 07921540840, but that will come up again at the end of the service. Can I just remind everybody that, as it said in the slides at the beginning, we are um, having communion today. So if you haven't got your, your elements ready, then um, now would perhaps be a good time to, to go and get those. Um, it's lovely to see Alan with us. Um, welcome back from hospital, Alan. And uh, yeah, we, we do pray that your recovery will be, be uh, quick and, and complete. Um, can I just say that uh, from Good Friday, we are going to be having services back in, in the church, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, but uh, numbers will be limited. And so if um, you are planning to attend either of these services, you must contact Evelyn in the office and um, you let her know that you intend being there. And if you are coming to the Good Friday service, then you'll need to bring your, your bread and, and your juice for communion with you. Before we start the, well, before we go into our time of worship, um, we've got a short video clip to, to see. BMS have uh, launched a new campaign, Campaign for a COVID-Free World and they're calling for a fair global distribution of the vaccines, particularly in, in the poorer countries. And so we, we have, a, as I say, a short video clip to watch about that. Thank you. COVID-19 has affected us all. And in this struggle, as individuals and as nations, we don't need to continue on alone. Countries that rank lowest in the Human Development Index have had to battle to test and record virus deaths, sometimes hiding COVID's devastating effects. As a global network of Christians, we are determined. Determined to shrink the spread and protect our world from COVID-19 simultaneously. No one should be disqualified from a place in a COVID-free world due to where they live or how much they earn. To get through this pandemic together, we must defeat COVID everywhere and quickly. Collectively, we stand both in prayer for those who have suffered and in hope that our world will choose equity, including for the most vulnerable. You've been here from the start. Let's stay until the end. Is this the future you long to see? I'm sure that uh, we are all very grateful for the way the vaccine programme has been rolled out in, in this country. But of course, this is a global pandemic and until um, the, the vaccine is available globally, then um, yeah, there are still dangers from it, obviously. So we're continuing in our series in Mark today and the title is The Coming of the King. Oh yeah, you can just see if uh, Inik has put up a, a, a message in the chat um, with the link to, to the petition, if you're, you're interested. Yes, it's the coming of the King. And so Steve's going to, to lead us in worship to, to our glorious King. Thank you. Your name, you come in majesty for. 
the fact that Jesus died for us in in our communion um, a little bit later but as, as it said there I praise shall never fail 
And so can I invite you to, to speak out words of praise to our God. There will be an opportunity after the communion to, to give prayers of intercession. But I, I think it would be it would be right to bring prayers of praise and thanksgiving to our God. And so if you feel led to do that, then do unmute yourself um, and then mute yourself after you've prayed. Thank you. And I'll read you from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation will also provide the way of escape, so you may be able to enjoy it. Therefore, my beloved, shun the worship of idols. I speak to you as sensible men. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many partake as one. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Father, thank you so much that Jesus came and died for me. And he died for everyone else as well. Oh, it's so wonderful to know that you are such a, a wonderful Redeemer. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Jesus, as the uh, reading from Alan reminded us that through your death, we've been brought into one body. We've been reconciled with you through the blood of Christ, but also we've been brought together as the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. The barrier that separated us from you and from one another has been broken down through Christ. And we just thank you for the peace that his death and resurrection have brought between us and God and the fellowship that Jesus has created in the body of the church. We just give you thanks, Jesus. Amen. Majesty, we worship your majesty. Father God, this week we've seen your majestic majesty in creation the beauty of the trees and the flowers and stuff coming through. Father, we bless your name that you are a good God to us in every way. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to earth as a helpless baby, that you died on that cross for each one of us to reconcile us to our Father. We thank you that you rose again, that death couldn't hold you, that wasn't the end. And we thank you that you are coming again and that one day we will be in eternity with you. How can we fail to thank you for that, Lord? Um, words might fail us, but you know what's in our heart. You know the gratitude that we feel for what you've done. Amen. Before we move into communion, we are going to, to sing again, um, reminding ourselves of, of what Jesus did for us. Thank you. Cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. 
I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God Oh, praise His name forever Son of heaven rose again Oh, trample death Where is your sting? The angels roar For Christ the Martin, can I hand over to you to lead us in communion? Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we want to echo the words of that uh, song. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Jesus, we just praise you this morning because you gave your life, your body, as a sacrifice on that tree. You bore the curse of sin, which is death in our place for us as our substitute. But we thank you and praise you that death could not hold you, that you rose from death and that you've ascended back to heaven and are at the right hand of the Father and that you are coming again in majesty and glory. So Lord, we can <laughs> say this morning with Paul, where, O oh, death, is your sting? 
where, O oh, death, is your victory. Thank you that through your resurrection, Jesus, our sins are forgiven, our consciences are cleansed, we have fellowship with God, and we look forward to resurrection, res resurrection bodies when Christ returns and brings a new heaven and a new earth. And so thank you, Jesus, for the gift of forgiveness and the new covenant which your cross has achieved. Thank you for the fellowship of your Holy Spirit, which we enjoy now in the present. As we take bread and wine, we pray, Spirit of God, that you would strengthen our hearts, that you would give us power to endure and power to, to be joyful in these days. And that, Lord, you'd fill us again with the hope of your return, that we might be filled with joy, filled with the hope that you are coming again. And so, Lord, let this meal to us be a celebration of your past death and resurrection, a celebration of your presence with us today by your spirit, and a celebration of that future hope of your coming again and of our being glorified and resurrected with you. We read together the words uh, that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, but the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we take bread, and we break it, giving thanks that Christ's body was sacrificed for our sin. So let us eat with thanksgiving in our hearts. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let us drink with thanksgiving. An opportunity now for a time of open prayer as the spirit prompts you please uh, please unmute and uh, lead us in praying for uh, the church uh, worldwide uh, for your local churches and for those names that God brings to mind so let's uh, please unmute and lead us in prayer Father God, we thank you that we see Alan returning to our flock and family. Lord, there's many other people in our church family that are still need your hand of healing upon their lives. So Father, we, we ask that you will surprise him in a special way today for your healing power by your particular presence. Father, we ask that you will unblock blind eyes, soften hard hearts. So we praise you for what you're doing, but we ask for more so we may see your glory. Amen. Father, I continue to pray for, for Janet Mills and her ongoing treatment. Lord, uh, just pray your, your healing upon her. Lord, your strength, your peace, your grace. And Lord, for others who are, who are continuing to heal, pray for Ian for a continued improvement in his uh, eyesight. 
Lord, just be with him. And Lord, for Josh, Lord, who started his um, third cycle of chemotherapy, Lord, we pray that you would just be with him and strengthen him and continue to, to, to work through the chemotherapy and supernaturally, Lord, to, to restore him. But Lord, we also pray that you would work on his heart by your Holy Spirit, Lord, just drawing him back to, to his faith, drawing him closer to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we continue to lift Elay and her children to you and Lynn and her children. Father, we lift all those who are grieving throughout this pandemic. We pray, Father God, that their hearts will come to know you. Just comfort them, bring them your peace. May they know your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we pray for Sally Chiverton and her wider family as they uh, continue to mourn. Um, Lord, we just, just lift them up before you this morning and uh, pray, Holy Spirit, comforter, counsellor, that you would just draw alongside and pour out your peace and comfort and strength on them today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, as we enjoy our freedom to worship, although it's a bit restricted this way, Father, we pray today afresh for those, your persecuted church around the world, where they're not even able to meet as we are. Father, we pray that you'll be all to them that they need. Just work supernaturally in their lives. Give them the strength they need uh, to undertake, to be patient, to be uh, um, suffering, strength under suffering in the persecuted area and be with the government of those countries the authorities help them to see open their eyes and their hearts to see that you are the true god so if their brothers and sisters are persecuted around the world amen Lord God, we thank you that you have told us to, to bring all our cares and our requests, our petitions to you, Lord. And we thank you that you hear our prayers and that you answer them. In Jesus' name, amen. The reading this morning is Mark chapter 13. Um, so Sarah, if you could start us off, that would be great. Thank you. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us. When will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. 
all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house, take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. Father God, we thank you for your word, for the difficult passages and the, the easier passages. And Lord, I, I pray now for Martin as he comes to, to share with us um, your insight on, on this passage. May we hear you speaking to us and may we know um, how it is that you want us to apply these words to, to our lives here in the 21st century. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Alison. Um, you don't often um, hear too many sermons these days on the, the, the end times and the return of Christ. So I'm, I feel really privileged to, to preach on this this morning. Um, even it is, a, it is one of the most difficult passages in the, in the New Testament, but um, it's, a, it's a cracking one. And I look forward to uh, journeying through it with you. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, through the uh, Corona 19 or COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot of um, discussion about the end of the world. Um, lots of conspiracy theories, um, not just about vaccines, but about how COVID-19 might signal the end of the world. And that's not just um, Christians, that is also the non-Christian secular world. There's lots of sort of conspiracies about the end of the world. And uh, this is a good passage because it enables us to be anchored in scripture rather than in kind of conspiracy theories. Um, so of course, the question about is this the end of the world is, is not a new one. In fact, it's, it's one that the disciples were asking of Jesus. There they were admiring uh, the temples uh, uh, 
and uh, they were they were in awe and wonder at the temple. And Jesus, as he often does, kind of cuts the conversation off short and says, "Look, guys, don't admire this temple for too long because not one stone of this is going to be is going to be left." Jesus was prophesying, of course, that about uh, the Roman invasion in AD 70 under the Emperor Titus, the Roman general Titus. Um, of course, from AD 66 to 70, there were four years of, of a Jewish uprising of, of the zealots and, the, and Jews who were engaging in wars with, with the Romans. And uh, this culminated in AD 70 with the invasion of Jerusalem and literally the destruction of the temple where many, many Jews were killed. But many of God's people, Jewish Christians, uh, um, fled in accordance with Jesus' instructions and actually were, were preserved. They literally fled Jerusalem when they saw the Romans attacking and were saved. But many Jews who failed to trust in Jews in Jesus' words were, were killed. And um, the disciples thought that with the destruction of the temple, that being such a massive apocalyptic sign, they assumed that that would be the end of the world and that the Messiah would come back and that there would be a general resurrection of the dead and that the kingdom of God would come on earth and God would restore the glory days for Jerusalem and the temple. That was their assumption. But Jesus doesn't um, go in the direction um, that his disciples want him to go. He doesn't answer their questions about is this the end and when's the date of the Messiah's return? Instead, Jesus teaches them not to be deceived by false signs of the end, by false prophets, false messiahs. He teaches them to be ready for the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Um, and he gives them a load of non-signs, as it were, that they, they should see as signs of the, the last times, birth pains, he calls them. These are not saying necessarily that Christ is coming imminently. They are signs that we are living in the last days between Christ's ascension and his return. And birth pains, earthquakes, famines, wars, rumours of wars, pestilences, according to Luke's gospel. So Luke's gospel predicted uh, COVID-19 and the Spanish flu and all the rest of them. Um, so these are birth pains, signs that we live in the last day, that creation will one day be reborn and renewed. But in the, for the moment, we live with all of these birth pains. So we shouldn't be surprised by COVID-19 or by famines, earthquakes, wars, etc., because Jesus prophesied them all. So we shouldn't be necessarily overly anxious, overly worried and overly concerned. Is this the day of Christ's return? Instead, Jesus calls us to be alert and watchful and on our guard because we do not know the day of his return. So he calls us not trying to be pinned down the day of his return, as many are trying to do and have failed in the past. But no one knows that day. But to actually live in constant readiness and preparedness for his return. Like the disciples, we will face many more crises in the future. We don't know what those crises will be, but we know that they will come. We will face sufferings as Christians and persecutions. And rather than being overly anxious about those or complacent or indifferent, Jesus wants us to trust in him. He has prophesied all of these things. And there is nothing that should catch us by surprise, really, because Jesus has told us beforehand the things that will come. So we shouldn't be surprised by um, world events, um, but just be on guard. So what does teacher, what does Jesus teach us from this passage? Well, first of all, don't be alarmed by birth pains. Um, now, it's all very well for me as a man to say that because uh, I've not gone through birth um, and uh, I have to be really careful here. But the sort of birth pains that Jesus is talking about, of course, are the birth pains of a cursed creation. Um, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, um, and ever since they were, were excluded from the Garden of Eden, the earth was cursed. Um, Childbearing became more painful, work became more toilsome, and death and decay and pain and suffering and injustice entered the good world. All of these things were a result of the fall. 
and they are birth pains. They are signs that were in the last days. Um, and first, one, the first birth pain that Jesus talks about is, uh, is the deceivers. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. And in the years before the Jewish uprising in AD 66, there were many messianic pretenders. One of them in the mid 40s, Thudas, boasted that he could part uh, the Jordan River. And according to the Jewish historian Josephus, many were led astray by, by Thudas. Um, a, a number of you, I remember this story in the news. Do you remember David Koresh in Waco in Texas back in 1993, who had a, a, a cult following of about 100 uh, followers and uh, he led them into a compound in, in the desert where they were preparing for Armageddon. And um, sadly, 76 out of 85 followers lost their lives in a shootout and explosions with the FBI. Um, it, he, he, it didn't matter to David Koresh that the final battle Armageddon was with the FBI. He was convinced that their deaths were, uh, he, he was on a kind of winning side of, of faithfulness to Christ, but the, just displays the contemporary danger of following false messiahs can bring. Um, and there will continue to be false messiahs. You think of um, David Icke. Do you remember David Icke, the sports presenter who claimed to be the messiah? They're, they're still around and we must always follow Christ and not any human leader. So beware of any human leader who's drawing a lot of attention to themselves. They may well be popular, but if they're more about themselves than they are Christ, be very, very wary. No matter how popular or big their ministry is, be wary, be discerning, be on your guard. Second, Jesus warns that there'll be wars and rumours of wars, famines and earthquakes. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. Um, so... We know because Jesus has told us that there will be all of these things will continue to happen until he comes to renew creation, because creation has been cursed by the fall and will only be redeemed when Jesus returns. And third, Jesus warns of persecution. Verse nine. You, you must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Now, our, our level of persecution may not be as extreme as this, but as we've already prayed this morning, as Mike prayed, there are many Christians for whom this is a reality, who are imprisoned, flogged, uh, tortured, executed for their faith. But this was actually fulfilled very in the very near future for the disciples. You remember in the book of Acts, um, the disciples were constantly flogged, constantly in and out of prison for preaching the name of Christ and healing in the name of Jesus. Um, in Acts 5, the apostles have been speaking about Jesus being raised from the dead after they healed the man who was crippled at the temple gate. And they are hauled in a couple of times to the Jewish authorities and told to stop speaking. Um, and they say, no, we must obey God rather than men. And then they are flogged and told not to speak and they go on preaching and people go on being healed and brought to faith. Now, for some of you, speaking up in your own family is, is problematic. I know some of you are in um, family situations where, where you're the only Christian, and that, that can bring its own level of, of difficulty and ridicule. Um, but Jesus' words apply to us. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Or maybe you're the only Christian in your university accommodation. Maybe you're the only Christian that you know about in your circle of friends at school. Maybe you're the only Christian in the workplace that you're in. It's a tough world out there and it's becoming more and more secular. But Jesus calls us to stand firm and to continue to witness for him. And he promises that the Holy Spirit will give us the right words at the right time if we trust him. Fourth, Jesus warns us of abominations. Verse 14, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Um, now, we've got a narrative little phrase there, let the reader understand. Um, Mark wants us to think about 
what Jesus is saying here. Um, and that's because there's a lot of background uh, here. So bear with me. Um, the phrase abomination that causes desolation appears in the book of Daniel three times. And in its original context, it was a prophecy that was fulfilled in the short term in 167 BC by Antiochus Epiphanes, who decreed that the Jews should give up temple worship. And he set up a defiling image on the altar of burnt offering in the temple. And that was to be worshipped instead of Israel's God. And so that was an abomination that caused the desolation of the temple in the time of Daniel. Now, that's not the only fulfillment of that prophecy. Do you remember that when we were looking at Ezekiel's prophecy, I mentioned that um, prophecies have, a, have different levels or different horizons of fulfillment. So I gave the illustration. If you're um, on a ferry in Dover Harbour and you're moored up and you've not yet left, all you see is the ferry, the cars and a close up of the White Cliffs of Dover. So that's the short term horizon. But as you sail out of the um, the harbour area, you get a view of the sea. You see all of the expanse of the White Cliffs all around the corner of Kent and on into Eastbourne and around Sussex. The, the view opens up. You get a bigger, longer range view. And this is what happens with Old Testament biblical prophecy. There are different levels or horizons of fulfilment. Um, and uh, Jesus is saying, look, let the reader understand this prophecy in Daniel was fulfilled then, but it's also going to be fulfilled in AD 70. When the Romans invaded Jerusalem, they also def defiled the temple. They set up that the abominations of their ensigns and flags in the temple. And so they replaced worship of um, Israel's God with worship of the emperor. And again, this prophecy of Daniel was fulfilled during the Roman invasion. But, he, but Jesus reassures his disciples that God will cut short this time of tribulation, that it won't be as long as it could have been. And his chosen people will survive. In other words, those who heed his words and flee from Jerusalem will be saved. And many were. And Jesus also warns that around the time of the destruction of the temple in AD 70, lots of false prophets and false messiahs would, would appear claiming to be the Messiah because they would link um, the coming of the Messiah with the destruction of the temple. But Jesus says, don't be deceived by these people. They're not the Messiah. And Jesus gives the lesson of the fig tree to instruct his disciples how to be on guard through these terrible events, through these tribulations that are coming. Verse 28, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. In other words, Jesus is saying these birth pains are signs of spring. The summer is coming. Um, in other words, um, just as the uh, leaves and the buds on the fig tree indicate that fruit is coming, Jesus is saying, look, there will come false prophets, false messiahs. There'll be earthquakes, famines before AD 70, before the abomination of desolation uh, comes into the temple. So don't be surprised. Don't be fooled by false preachers. Stand firm. And Jesus then reassures his disciples, verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In other words, false prophets, false messiahs, false teachers will come and go and predict all sorts of nonsense. But Jesus' words are utterly trustworthy. So when Jesus says that there will be birth pains and that he's coming again, we can utterly and totally trust him. We don't have to be anxious or overly concerned or swept up in conspiracy theories. We don't have to be complacent. We can trust Jesus, that Jesus is sovereign. And when he says he's coming again on the clouds in glory, rest assured that he is coming again, that he is sovereign over history, sovereign over creation, that he's got the whole world in his hands and that nothing that's happening in the world is outside of his sovereign control and catches him by surprise. He's prophesied all of it already. 
So as Christians, we shouldn't be wobbling around like a cork on the sea, blown around by every wind or trend or conspiracy theory. Jesus has mapped out the future for us, and it's about him. Second, Jesus wants us to understand the future fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Now, again, Jesus is saying that there is another future horizon to this prophecy. It is not totally fulfilled in AD 70. There is a long range view, a long range horizon. And Paul uses similar language in 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 3 to 4. He talks about a man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, who will come in the future and lead many astray. 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 3 and 4. Don't let anyone, uh, I think we need, yeah, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose everything that's called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. In other words, Paul was writing about a future coming of the man of lawlessness. But there's a time of tribulation coming in the future when a man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, will set himself up to be worshipped by God's people in the, in the, the temple, of course, being a picture in the New Testament of the church. He will set himself up and many and cause uh, many people to be deceived. But those who trust in Christ and who are true believers will not be deceived by this. So this is still to come. There is a time of tribulation, a time of fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy that is yet to come. And it's a future one. Um, the Antichrist will appear in a time of great tribulation. Daniel warns us of this in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. There will be a time of distress, that should be uh, tribulation, by the way, in, in the Hebrew, such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. God's people, the elect, his chosen people, will be delivered. My own view is that God's people will be taken up with Christ to heaven in the rapture before this great tribulation and will be delivered. Um, and after that, Jesus will return to earth with his people to reign for a thousand years in the millennium. You can read about that in Revelation 20. And at the end of the thousand year reign, Jesus will bring about a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details of this this morning. Mark uh, doesn't do that in his text. If you want to read more, I suggest you read uh, Daniel's prophecies and Revelation 20 and uh, Thessalonians and other places and I'm happy to, to talk to you about that but we we're not going to get into all those details this morning. Mark's focus is on the glorious return of Jesus and how this should give us urgency to serve Jesus every day in the expectancy of his return. So to sum up so far famines, wars, earthquakes, COVID-19, false messiahs, false prophets will continue to appear before Jesus comes in glory and before the man of lawlessness comes and brings the great tribulation. How are we to respond? Well, Jesus says, verse 23, this is really the, the crux of the passage. Be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Jesus has mapped out the future for us so we can be on our guard. We can stand firm. Isn't that good news? Third, Jesus wants to be, us to be assured of his return. Um, but in those days, following that distress, tribulation, the, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great glory. Um, Jesus is coming again to bring about his kingdom and to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. One day, all suffering, death, pain, aging, decay will be banished in, for believers in a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be signs in creation that this is taking place. As, as, as shown on the screen there, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. 
We know from 2 Peter 3 that the coming of Jesus will result in the destruction of the heavens by fire and the melting of the elements in the heat. Um, Peter says this in 2 Peter 3 verse 10. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Um, the literal Greek there is that the earth and everything in it will be exposed. In other words, through the fire of God's judgment and renewal, a new earth and a new heaven will be exposed, laid bare, revealed, if you like, out of the final judgment, out of the renewal process that God will bring, out of the refining fires of God will come a new heaven and a new earth, which will be purged of all the curse of the fall. Isn't that wonderful? So fourth and finally, this is, I'm coming into land. Jesus calls us to live in watchfulness of his coming. Verse 32, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. Be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. No one knows, not even Jesus himself, not the angels. Only God the father knows when Jesus is coming. Only he knows. So don't listen to any doomsday prophecies that you see in the Daily Mail or the Daily Express from Nostradamus or anywhere else because they're false. You know they're false because Jesus himself doesn't even know. So Nostradamus certainly doesn't know. OK, um, they're going to be false. Instead, Jesus gives us a parable about how to prepare for his coming. Thirty four to thirty six. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts servants in charge, each with his own assigned task and tells one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Of course, the owner of the house is Jesus. And it's a picture of us serving the house, the, the world, while Jesus is away. But the owner, Jesus, is coming back. And he, we don't want to be found sleeping on the job. We, it's a picture of getting on with serving wherever you're called to serve and watching the door, watching for the return of Jesus, having one eye on Jesus' return while serving faithfully. Um, I don't know where you serve at the moment. Perhaps you serve as grandparents. Perhaps you serve in the local community. Perhaps you serve voluntar voluntarily for charity. Perhaps you're serving in the church. Perhaps you serve um, in paid employment um, somewhere. Perhaps you're studying full-time in education. Wherever you are, Jesus calls you to serve faithfully and to bear witness to him and to have one eye out for his return so that we're not caught asleep. We're not apathetic or indifferent or complacent or overly anxious about what's going on in the world, but we're getting on with serving in the light of his return. You see, we can get very swept up, can't we, in the in the anxiety of the news and uh, in all the stuff that's going on in the news. We can get so distracted, so anxious about what's going on that actually we, we, we're distracted from getting on with the job of making Jesus known and being witnesses to Jesus. We have a job to do. We're called to go into the world and make disciples. And we must not get distracted and caught up with all of the anxiety that's around us, we must get on with the job of serving and watching for the return of Jesus. We are soldiers in a spiritual battle. Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 6 and 8. Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So we're to dress in the armour of God. We're to put on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. This reminds us that we're in a battle. Um, Satan would like us to be distracted and overly anxious or choked up with weeds, the cares and concern of this world. He'd like us to get bogged down in material things or the, the cares and concerns that we face day to day. Or he'd like us to be overly anxious about what's going on in the world. But Jesus says none of those things. Keep, get serving. Be faithful, vigilant in serving and in making me known, in bearing witness to me. And live as those who are filled with faith, 
who love the world and who are filled with the hope of future salvation and also of our present salvation. So keep wearing the, 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 the uh, armour, keep loving um, your neighbours and God, keep being filled with faith and stand firm, be on your guard and trust that Jesus is coming again. He's in control, he's sovereign in the world and he calls you and I to get on with serving him faithfully wherever we are, Monday to Saturday. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are sovereign over the world and over our lives. There is nothing that happens in this world which catches you by surprise or that you haven't already warned us about. So Jesus, help us to stand firm, be on our guard and be alert and watchful, living every day as if this could be the day of your return, but serving faithfully, making you known, speaking about you with boldness and courage. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, for boldness and courage and for the ability to stand firm and to endure and be faithful today and to be filled with hope, faith and love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Steve's now going to lead us in our closing song.
see the, the number is on the screen if you would like prayer um, you'll be put into a breakout room and a member of the prayer team will join you if that is something that you do want please call or text mark um, on that number including uh, your name thank you um, that just to to close um, with the words of the end of second peter therefore dear friends be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Well, thank you to everybody who's made this morning's service possible. And uh, I hope you, you, you have a good week and we'll see you next week. Can I just remind you that um, before we meet again next week, the clocks will have gone forward uh, between Saturday and Sunday next week. So uh, please remember to do that so that you can join us at the, the right time. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Alison. And every, uh, just to say it's Palm Sunday next Sunday. So if you can bring a, a palm branch, either a, one from a tree or one that you've made out of paper or card, that would be great. And we'll, we'll have some songs where you can... Uh, Sing along, wave in the uh, the palm branches. That's next Sunday. So uh, just to heads up about about that. Thank you. Thank you, Alison, for leading. Thank you.